0: Start the stupid podcast. Well, well, welcome
1: to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and this command I give you is not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. Dave is here for the last time. No, heck no. To impart moses's words to us as we cross the river into the homeland. But before we choose life, now that they've wallowed in the Valley of Bewilderment, let's climb the second mountain with our favorite co-hosts, Meredith and Barry. Good day, guys.
2: Good day.
1: Good day, indeed.
2: How are Dave? you,
1: Dave? <laughs> You're here for the last time, Dave. I'm not dead.
3: <laughs> he could yeah. still come back when he teaches. I know. We got to get teacher. you
1: back in the we got to get you back uh, in like six months. Would
3: he want to come back, Dave? Would you? That's are you bad. all podcasted out? I think everyone should just speak for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if we're leaving it up to him, the very first words, the very last words before we started this thing were start the stupid podcast. <laughs> so I podcast. don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's pumped about coming back.
0: No, no I'm, I'm excited. Excit- I'm excited to come back someday. If someday. my son, yeah. will, if my son asks me to preach again, I will we, oh, already, yeah. we, we gotta do that.
2: This. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dave, how is this week? Like, is it has it hit you? I know I asked you this last week, but uh what what what's the current what's your current state right now?
0: It's all weirdness all the time. Yeah. For well, Especially
1: because you got you got like permanent house guests now, too, right?
0: Yeah. My daughter and son in law and my grandson have moved in. So we're there's I'm trying to wrap up everything. I just got off the phone trying to, you know. Trying to make sure the contacts I have on my Grace account are going to go move into my new account, and that's driving me insane. So I that, got all, that's always the worst. Yeah, what's that? Stuff like that's oh, always it's the worst. Driving me crazy. But John uh, John Ray's our IT guy, and expert. Is just so patient, so anyway. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. He's so patient. I don't understand a thing he's saying, but he's so patient. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. Anyway, it's yeah. all weirdness all the time. Um, at this point, I'm like, I'm anxious to get on with the weekend and mm-hmm. let's, let's do this. So.
1: Yeah. So, um, you, what are you expecting to feel like Monday morning? What are you expecting to happen? Are you going to sleep in? What are you going to do?
0: Um, <laughs> can you sleep in? <laughs> I, I, well, not if Henry's here. Um, oh, yeah. So it all depends on whether I'm the one getting up with him in the morning. The least uh, that they could do
1: is let you sleep in on your first day not working.
0: That would be the least, right? I, <laughs> yeah, that's the least they could do. <laughs> it'd be the least. I, don't, uh, I think I'm going to try to take a couple of weeks off, but I don't even know what that. I'll probably go out and work in the yard. I don't know. That's probably yeah. What I'll
1: do. yeah. Yeah. Is living with Henry everything you ever dreamed it would be?
0: And oh, so much more.
1: Yeah, he's. He, you brought him into a meeting earlier, and he's kind of
0: the best, huh? He is the best. He's the best, except yeah. when he's not. I know how that goes. I know how that goes because, he's, that goes. because he's one. Me. Because he's one year old, right? Yeah, yeah. He has the personality now. He has a it it, it's He's Got well, an attitude. Absolutely. Anyway, it's a lovely thing. It's a wonder. It's a wonderful thing. We're we're really enjoying it, but it also is just it's a different thing. How many for the last sixty days? We've all had just different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all life uh, in another way. Mm-hmm. And then throw in retirement, but not retirement. It's all different. Yeah. yeah.
1: Are we at the 90 day mark at this point? What, how, what are we doing now? How
0: many now? days is it?
1: Because I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like I've, evo- I've adapted to this. Like I, this is like, I don't remember before this, <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like this is, I've, I've kind of embrace the normal
2: March 13th or March 15th was when that weekend was when we first meet are almost three months. That's
3: my dad's birthday. So that is, that's my benchmark. I had taken my dad on a birthday trip to Cleveland and that was the weekend that like the whole world started to shut down. We were going to go to the rock and roll hall of fame and it had shut down on our drive to Cleveland. It shut down. So yeah, March 13th.
2: I Googled it. Uh, it's like 72-ish days since March 13th. would not we 32? all be like
3: scratching this on a post somewhere like with a yeah sharp rock?
0: Yeah, I'm just making oh. you jump. <laughs> <laughs> you could use something better than a sharp rock.
3: <laughs>
0: now that we're living in the afterscape. day 72. <laughs> yeah, I love Twitter. Uh, when, for, at first, Twitter was all fear. All kind of... And, and everyone was afraid. And then it was all... Uh, Everyone making okay we can do this we're all in this together then it was, <laughs> yeah, like, right. then it was like all the Twitter the, it was like people saying um, it has come to this yeah you kind of this. that's the news. all <laughs> I'm all I'm eating is hash browns that's that was one I saw yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now and now Twitter has gone silent except for political stuff and mostly everyone's saying leave me alone shut up yeah. yeah, it's all so rage you now. It, it's the what uh, stages of grief. This is the stages of pandemic.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> Marin I need to show you what it's come to for me. I don't know if you saw this earlier on my on my Instagram. Did you see this?
3: I have not spent any at all time on Instagram today.
1: All right, I'm in my basement and uh, <laughs> no real windows, no natural light. I look down in an earlier meeting and I see this.
3: No, 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 <laughs> that, no, that no, spider, no! He's showing us the spider. Oh, no. That's, that the a
2: spider. Wolf?
1: is that a wolf? Yeah, it's the size wide. of your fist. It, it? It's the biggest spider I've seen with like my, my own eyes. Huh? Is it a wolf spider? That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. It was it was the biggest spider I've ever I seen.
3: It, I think it outside uniform, of like a zoo.
1: Tyler, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works at Chick Fil A. It, it's got its Chick Fil A outfit on.
3: Tyler, were you <laughs> on a, a Zoom meeting when you discovered that spider?
1: No, I was on my way upstairs and Milo, we have, Milo Mm. has a spider that looks like that, but it's a toy. It's (laughs) about the same size. And it's like, (laughs) and he thought it was the toy and he went to go go grab it. And I know it's that spider toys outside. And so I just started screaming at him and sure enough, it moved. And
0: if you were going to go bury on this, you know, I'll bury Barry doesn't kill spiders. Yeah, I was gonna ask right. how did you uh, how did you get him outside?
3: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you could also choose to go marin on it if you want. Yeah. Well, as Milo says, I broke it. I broke it. Oh,
0: you broke the spider.
1: Yeah, he said, Daddy, did you break it? Did you break the spider? Like, yeah, I broke it, buddy.
0: Yeah, but you'd need yeah, or if you wanted to get it outside, you'd have to get a wrangler. You have to get like a spider wrangler to come out. Yeah.
2: Barry, what would you have done? Just like picked it up with your hands? I have multiple mason jars around the house that I use
1: specifically. Oh my to get god. Spiders oh. And other you have a 10-foot
3: mason jar? Like you'd have no. to get so close. I don't it. know enough uh. of that, but
2: Yeah,
1: yeah so uh, that's what i am dealing with today. It's come to this. It is what do you guys so What's new with you guys? Marin? Barry, what's what's going on with you?
2: So I finally got myself up on the roof. I've been meaning to do this for a while, but our gutters since we moved in have been all clogged up and I didn't do it in the fall and then it turned into winter and then I said, okay, this spring it's happening. So I finally did it yesterday. I got up there in the blazing sun and heat. I was about to pass out, but I got up there and I, I removed two like huge five gallon buckets worth of just crud from the gutters in my house. So that's what I did yesterday. Ugh. It was awesome. And it smelled and it was. What do you granted. mean it's awesome? Are you going <laughs> to no, put that in like your compost and stuff? Or do no, because you... there was like a ton of like weird looking gravel stuff that had washed off the oh, top
3: man! the Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just,
2: yeah. I just threw it all in like a pile out in the woods somewhere. Do you enjoy stuff like that? If I, it, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it at least a little bit. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but but it figures. was gross and it was
2: hard work. So one I, of the I felt like a real homeowner.
3: One of the first things I saw and said out loud when I looked upon the house that my husband had just bought, <laughs> it has a leaf gutter guard system. And I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah. it's, it's good. It's good. It comes with gutter guard. We're fine.
1: Yeah. That's it. That was very important to me. One of my first moves as a homeowner and a new husband when we first got married was to prove to my wife that I know how to do stuff. So I went to like <laughs> up on the roof with a leaf blower Yeah, and I was going to clean the gutters that way but the leaf blower the gutters had a bunch of like wet stuff in it and so the leaf blower just blew the stuff like vertically up (laughs) into my face and I almost started vomiting on my roof
3: I feel like we've talked about wet leaves a few times on this. oh my
1: gosh it's the worst
3: (laughs) it's come to this yeah
2: Well, all that to say, that's that's what I did yesterday, and I, I felt pretty accomplished afterwards. Plus, we yeah. did, I, did I already talk about this that we're growing a ton of stuff, and it's like everything we dreamt it would be. That we have like all the space to grow things. We've got so much green stuff that we're. Like growing. What do we got?
1: We got like cherries and stuff.
2: Well, I've got all my my permaculture it's stuff that's still coming tree. back. I do have a cherry tree. Yes, I'm growing a what? cherry tree. But but know, first thing like, I thought of like a whole bunch of greens, like kale, lettuces, uh, a bunch of herbs, basil, yeah, cilantro, tons of stuff for the bunnies, basically, and us. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it'll save us a lot on our grocery bill to be able to grow our own our own greens. So good. Yeah, it's good times. So that's it's what we're going doing. well. Lots of outdoor Marin, stuff. Um, How are you?
1: What's going on? It's
3: along the same line. So I was inspired, Barry, when I was at your house back in, I want to say January or something. I think Mm -hmm. it was I think it was maybe, I don't know, around New Year's. Your wife had already begun to grow plants from seed and she had like a little black box that had like a lid on it. So it was like a greenhouse effect. I was so inspired by what I saw that I did the same in my sunroom. And so yesterday was spent planting all of those little seedlings in a new like uh planter box. My husband and my father-in-law built me for mother's day. So nice. Nice. I love squirrel noises. I will also have the greens very soon, but I'm not you growing a plant uh, person. I'm trying so hard to be a plant person. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm growing way more tomato, cherry tomatoes than I should need. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if the chipmunks and I could come to like an agreement <laughs> if we can compromise, so there's I've only grown, so many
2: they can eat. I've ways. grown
3: more than yeah. I need, and hopefully yeah. they'll leave me some this year. Um, and then Jed, to save money on our grocery bills, he's like, "Why don't you just plant the things that are actually expensive, like red bell peppers?" So mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah. we'll be feasting Smart. on peppers and tomatoes this summer, and basil and mint and all the other stuff. But good, yeah, yeah, it was gorgeous. this This whole weekend was beautiful. My sister and her little one came came to see me and. They were just barefoot in the yard from sunup to sundown. It was just wonderful. It's beautiful to have them.
1: What? Why did you tell us they were barefoot? Like, why is that important?
3: Because it's the most beautiful scene ever. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, w- <laughs> I, oh. I wish I could just freeze time. I, I didn't
1: know if they... I didn't... Yeah. Right. I'm sure
3: you've had moments like that with Milo where you wish you could just yeah. freeze time. These girls were just so carefree and I haven't seen them since February and... It was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. My sister moves to North Carolina um, beginning of August. So I feel like I have not a lot of time left to let them frolic through my yard. So it was really And then really will nice both of
1: your sisters be there?
3: Both my sisters will be there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All
2: right. Yeah. Mm.
3: But it's for good stuff. So I'm happy for that.
2: What about you, Tyler? What'd you do this weekend?
1: Uh, I went golfing twice. Whoa. Uh, I have not gone golfing this year and it was nice out. And so I did it. Where'd you go? I saw, I went to Brookshire and Carmel both times. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So Lauren had her best friend in town. And when that happens, her best friend brings her husband and he's looking for something to do. And so I took him golf in <clears throat> two days and it was good. Yeah. I mean, at the golf courses, it's kind of weird. Like they don't open up. The inside you can't go inside, you can't do anything you have to drive your own golf cart. you can't even ride in the same cart as each other unless hmm. you unless you really want to but uh they spray all the carts down like they're trying to be as safe as possible, but it was it was definitely weird seeing like a hundred carts out on the golf course, yeah, and it not be that crowded. It was just kind of weird, but so I did that um I went to see a friend uh at a lake house this weekend like Sweet Sweetwater lake which I don't know if you're familiar with Sweetwater Lake, but it's one of those lakes that's like, is it a pond? (laughs) (laughs) Or like, why are we calling this a lake? Because all they're doing is going in a circle in the lake. That's all they're allowed to do. You cannot like drive in a straight line across the lake. You have to go counterclockwise around the perimeter. It
3: it sounds like a glorified retention pond or like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean...
1: You can get around that lake in about four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we did that. And uh, yeah, it was good. But I'm glad that I will spend, I will never, you will never hear me complain about the heat unless it's indoors. But if it's outside and hot and humid and muggy, I, I, I'm i good.
0: Oh, I'm with you. I am with you. Yeah. Any day.
1: Yep. Yep. Not you, Marin. You're giving no goodness. No,
3: talking about (laughs) muggy and hot.
1: You'd rather? Are you
2: a cold weather girl?
3: I'm fall and spring, and I could leave everything else behind.
2: Yeah. So you picked the right place to live, where we have seven (laughs) days of good weather, and then it goes straight to humid and hot. Yep. All right, so Dave, you're here week two of our sermon series,
1: The Next Chapter, which is your second message to Grace Church, kind of your final, uh, your second out of your final three messages as senior pastor to Grace Church, and so I wanted to spend the rest of our time talking about that. Um, So for anyone who may have missed it or has not yet heard the sermon, Dave, do you mind giving us a a snapshot of what the big idea was?
0: Yeah, I'm... um leveraging Moses last words to the people of God um, before he disappears up into the mountain and dies or presumably. Um, And uh, the first week it was um, the take the land. It was sort of like my charge to grace church to continue to heal the broken places of the world. This past week, I emphasized two words that literally Moses said, he, he said, my, my charge to you as god's people is to choose life. Mm. And I took off on that and described life the way I think god would want us to live and that is um a life of destiny. Mm. So yeah, so that was there's the big idea choose life and that is choose a life that is um essentially in Ephesians 2:10 finding the reason why you're here and um living for your destiny. And you did one of my favorite Dave Rod things,
1: which is pull out the chalkboard and get to work in a very tactile way with the with illustration of the mountains, uh, first mountain Valley of bewilderment and then second mountain, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty core to what you've kind of been ruminating on for the past, I don't know, a couple of years of, and it, it, I I don't know that you've preached first, second mountain stuff yet have you until until this past weekend yeah one other
0: time yeah one other time time. the last week of january the reason why i have not introduced the mountains because i it was not it's not not my illustration it was david brooks illustration in his book yeah but he'll never know that you were talking about it well (laughs) interestingly enough he tweeted today about it not about me but about his book (laughs) (laughs) the second mountain and um but uh, i was so but actually a friend of mine, the guy, the, the, the fraternity I'm working with, the CEO had read the book and he said, hey, this is in line with the whole destiny conversation. Mm. So yeah. I, re- I read the book and I said, oh, my gosh, it's a perfect illustration. Mm. And so uh, I read the book last fall, introduced the concept of the mountains in January and repeated it again. This mm. past weekend. So I, I'm, I, I take no credit for the illustration. It's a brilliant illustration. Um, and it resonates. I've gotten a lot of emails Well, over the last number of months, I've gotten a lot of emails, emails, people saying, okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, that, it really does make sense. Um, and it made sense to me when I saw it. So yeah, that's where it came from. First person. So first if
1: you missed it, the, the illustration kind of, if you can picture a literal drawing of a mountain and you're saying that the first mountain, we all kind of have a first mountain part of our life where We're all trying to attain some sort of identity, right?
0: Yeah. Identity in the American dream. Those are usually the two. And and again, this is uh, David Brooks suggested that and it made sense to me. Um, So I'm just repeating what he said. The whole idea of identity is for and Richard Rohr uh, writer. He said, it's like uh, it's finding the container that holds your life. That that's his description of your identity is finding the container mm-hmm. that holds your life. And some people spend their entire life till they until they're gone trying to figure out their identity.
3: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And and the American dream is uh, let me back to the identity. What a lot of people the finding of your identity means I'm always comparing myself according to two things. Either what did somebody tell me I should be? And I hear that from a lot of people. They, re, they, they have just done in their life what they thought they should do with their life because somebody told them this is what you should be. That's, that's a frustrating part of finding your identity. It's not even your identity. Mm. It's the identity somebody gave you. Yeah. Uh, the second thing we do when we're trying to find our identity is I'm always comparing myself with you and him and her and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I am in relationship to everybody else. That's why the whole process can be maddening. Um, and then the American dream part is more like, you know, and I just want to settle down and I want to have the nice house and I want to have a nice family and I want to have the things and a vacation and the good food and all that stuff. Everyone, everyone pursues those things. Everyone does.
1: Mm -hmm. But yeah, go ahead. And then after that, um, you illustrate kind of a valley and in that, in that illustration it's called the Valley of Bewilderment where some kind of crisis, Might happen or something falls apart, right?
0: Yeah. It's either a bad thing or it's a frustrating thing. It's either pain or it's tragedy or, or it's failure. I mean, in, Mm. in your attempting to be who you are in this, you just make a huge mistake and it sets you back. And then there's also, and for a lot of people, it's not pain or tragedy or failure. It's more like, what the heck? Mm. Yeah. They have this either quarter life crisis or midlife crisis and they're going. Wait, is this it? Yeah, is this it? So, so that's the tell value. me if this
1: isn't. Tell me if this is an example. I know. I know uh, someone who went to law school. Uh, their father's a lawyer. Really wanted him to be a lawyer, so he went to law school. Super expensive law school. A lot of debt. Gets out of law school. Is a lawyer for a couple years. And then realizes, I don't want to do this at all. Like, I I hate this. I don't, I don't want this at all. My dad wanted this. I don't want this. And then all of a sudden is having an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's what you would call. Yeah. That that person is in the Valley of bewilderment.
0: bewilderment. Yeah. They're bewildered about their life. And inevitably what happens at that point, I think our first inclination is to reclimb the first mountain. Mm -hmm. In other words, and that's where all the weird things happen, like you know what i maybe I should just get a divorce or mm. or or maybe I'll just leave this job or maybe we, let's move to another city, thinking that a change of scenery or a change of relationship is gonna it's gonna get me out of the valley of bewilderment. all it does is get me back up in the first mountain and i'm just I'm just primed for another fall, yeah, at some point. Or buy the new thing, get the new house, you know, thinking that all those things are going to um, change our predicament. Um, but mm-hmm. they don't. They don't.
1: And so the other option would be to climb what is called the second mountain, which you kind of defined it as the, the the mountain where you get to discover your destiny. Yeah. That's where your destiny lives.
0: Yeah. And the thing to keep in mind about the second mountain, it is a, um, it is a mountain that was uh, actually designed for you before you were born. Hmm. So it's not like something coming to second mountain is not some new form of the first mountain. It's not like a more fulfilling first mountain. Hmm. It, it's, it is a, um, it is something that, that, you know Ephesians 2:10 said we're we're God's workmanship or masterpiece created to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared that mountain for us. Hmm. And that's why we are not satisfied until we climb it. Because I mean it was it's a summons on our life. It's a mysterious summons on our life. And yeah. and and when when we stop and ask ourselves why am I here? And I turn my eyes out, out from myself to others. Then we start climbing the second mountain. Now you don't instantly find it; that's a process, but it is a very different climb. So,
1: friends of the pod, thanks for sticking with the illustration. But I have a couple questions about Valley, Bill, like this whole process. Yeah. Um, can you can a person go through or end up in the valley of bewilderment multiple times in their life?
3: <laughs> That's a great question.
1: Uh I think or is it like
0: I think so, yes. And here and, and not to confuse it even, confuse it um further, but I think you can end in, in the valley of bewilderment even after you start climbing the second mountain. And mm. and
1: that was gonna be my second question. And about here's
0: that. and here's why. Here's why. When you're younger and you have less life experience and you haven't probed your life, when you start thinking about calling, it's a pretty generalized thing. The older you get, the more life experience you have, the more pain and joys you have, your, the destiny starts to get more and more refined. Hmm. Like when Hmm. you're in your twenties, people don't usually use the word calling. They use, they use the word, I want to live on purpose. Then you get in your 30s and the word calling starts to make more sense. And by the time you get to be my age and my sick, in your sixties, you're not talking about calling, you're talking about destiny. You're looking at the ultimate, the ultimate mountain, the final mountain. Mm-hmm. Now, I do not believe that the subsequent valleys we hit are deep valleys of bewilderment. They're like, how do I climb next? It's a different kind, it's a smaller valley. It's like mm-hmm. the it's like the valley in the mountain range. Hmm. You just keep climbing higher. So, you know, it is inevitable for all of us, like I've had how many, I don't know how many of those of the smaller valleys I've had to go through to keep climbing to where I am today. And I think mm-hmm. it's true for everybody. And um, when, it, if you're in your 70s, for instance, and you have never even processed this, it it becomes a desperate desire to get out of the valley bewilderment. A lot of people can be yeah. there for a long time. If you're in your seventies, it's a desperation.
1: Can you, do you think people can climb the second mountain without ever having gone through a Valley of bewilderment or is that required for second
0: mountain? Uh, I, well, what do you guys think?
3: I, I had that question the first time this came up and I have it again. Now as somebody who graduated high school and went right into full time ministry in the inner city of Chicago, my desire from the time I was 18 was to serve. And so if that Mm -hmm. second mountain is others focused, I didn't, I didn't pursue the American dream. Um, not. I, I think I did eventually when my kids started to get older and I thought, you know, they could really use a nice house to call their own. I think that that's when it became more important to me, but fresh out of high school, I was ministry minded and others focused. Yeah. Now no, you
0: you know how unusual that is, right?
3: Well, maybe I, I I know lots of people that are serving with one thing that comes to mind is the youth with a mission. YWAM, You know they 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 take a gap year or something and they go, you know, to serve wherever they feel called or led or or whatever. So there there are plenty of young people that that are others focused right out of high school, but I would say probably in the grand scope of high schoolers, that's that's still probably pretty rare, but it's not to say that valleys of bewilderment didn't come. And like Tyler said, maybe even multiple valleys of bewilderment. There was one that was particularly devastating, but then others that might not have matched that intensity of brokenness and bewilderment, but undeniably bewildering times. Yeah. Um. So I've been wondering is... Have I always been on the second mountain? Can you be on the second mountain as a young person? I, I wonder if you're 18 and you're hearing that message, are you thinking, you know, well, something's going to come and knock me down, but then I'll start climbing that second mountain. Or can they start doing that right away? You you did illustrate that someone in their 20s at LSU yes. had a moment where they recognized what their destiny could be. And it shifted their attention toward that second mountain.
0: It did. And and the interesting thing is having this conversation, now that I've been doing this for about a year with these younger guys, with these 20-something guys, I do think it's it's possible to, I, th- I think it's possible if not to bypass the Valley Bewilderment, at least be ready for it and be thinking second mountain um, ahead of time. Um, it's, one thing I've heard from these from these uh, fraternity guys is m- m- so many of them have launched, have started their first mountain based on what people told them that's what they should do. Mm. And for the first time, they're going, wait a minute. You mean I don't have to do what I what my fill-in-the-blank, my mentor, my parents? The answer is yes. So they I think it's possible to, if not bypass the Valley of Bewilderment, at least be prepared for it to launch Mm. onto the second mountain quicker. Yeah. I I I think it's entirely possible. As a matter of fact, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't do what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. I'm doing, by the way, interestingly enough, I'm doing my first, the calling quilt, which is what I do to help a person discover. It's a, it's a process to help a person discover their destiny. I'm doing my first one with a high school student in in two weeks. Wow. That will be interesting.
1: So I remember I've probably had a couple of valleys of bewilderment as I think about your sermon. Uh, but the most, the most like impactful recently, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I'm sure I have on the sh- show before, but it was right after we got married. And if I'm thinking first mountains about me, second mountains about others is how you kind of put it in uh short term, but short terms, but. We were buying a Christmas tree. Have I talked about this story before on the podcast? Yeah. Where we're buying a Christmas tree. It's our first year of marriage. And Lauren grew up with all this like tradition. And this is where we go to get the Christmas tree. And we stop and we eat popcorn and drink hot chocolate and watch the little miniature train go around the tracks. And we purchased a tree and we spend the whole day. It's like an event. Hmm. And I had never done anything like that. And so the first year of getting married, it was just like me... There's the trees. Get to the back of the store. Go back, go home, set it up. We're good. And then Christmas can come in a couple weeks. And uh, I was totally not in the moment, totally not, uh, you know, taking part of the event with her. And so on the way home, it was just full of tears. And I was just in my own, I was bewildered. I was like, why are we, why are we crying right now? We're getting a Christmas tree. It should be like what, what I I was totally oblivious. And she's, she said, you know, I I guess that we had been married for like four months. And she said, uh, you know, I just kind of know that's how you are. Like you don't need to be present, I guess. Maybe someday we'll have kids and they can celebrate with Christmas with me and you can kind of do what you need to do the way you do it. And from that moment on, I was like mm. there. Were, that that shot me down a valley to a valley of bewilderment where I had to learn. I spent like two years uh, understanding and trying to understand what it means as an adult to ha- not everything's about me, which sounds super selfish, but um, I spent two years kind of reforming what I, why I wanted to live on this planet Mm. and why I was here and what my role is as a husband and a future father and that it's not about me. And so as I listened to your sermon, Dave, I, I resonated with that a lot, but I still don't know what my second mountain is. And maybe that's just part of the journey is just like, I'm climbing something. I don't think I'm going back up the first mountain. I hope I'm not, but yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, And uh, thank you for that, that, Um, I, I think the second mountain is more specific, more specific than just self-giving love or others orientation is just a fact of following Jesus. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second mountain or finding your destiny is, is taking the concept of, of me being others oriented and giving it a way finer point to it because Mm -hmm. it's not just, it's not just Tyler or Barry or Marin or Dave being others-oriented. It's it's finding the unique wrappings, the unique things of my life that when I'm others-oriented and I exercise that others-orientation, amazing things happen because the power of the Holy Spirit's there. He's framed me for this moment. He's made me for this moment. And I I think... Yes, I think a general feeling I want to be others oriented is key. But we have to look at our life journey, our skills, our personality, and our passions. And when we look at those together, what emerges out of that is a very specific thing that only you yeah. can do, Tyler. Barry can't do what you do because you weren't he wasn't designed to do that. Second yeah. Marin, and that's just the way it So and I it's
3: like a- the words you use, Dave. Sorry. We keep talking about others oriented for that second mountain. But you used words like the second mountain is contribution mm-hmm. instead of acquisition. It's shedding ego instead of finding yourself. And, and it's, instead of building ego. Yeah. Right. It's losing yourself and right. it's others. So it's, I think if I think of the second mountain as others oriented, that means like, okay, I got to go out and be a missionary. Like, is that what we're talking about? But it <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. like it's, or, it's way even, deeper than even, that.
0: Oh yeah. And, or even, and okay. Uh, let me do one on one hand, let me give great props to, to David Brooks for the illustration. On the other hand, the further I got in his book, the more uh, frustrated I got because it ended up feeling to me. And maybe I need to go back and read it further. And I don't want to denigrate as it's a, it's a good book. The second mountain is not being generally a good person. Hmm. That's not what second mountain is. I don't think that's second mountain. Um, Or to use, again, to use Barry's, it's not just about us doing self-giving, being self-giving in our love. It's about walking in the unique way that God designed me to walk in the world and change the world. And I think it's very unique for each of us. And finding that thing um, mm-hmm. is, is the second mountain journey. And it, mm-hmm. and it is still a mountain you don't go from you don't you don't get out of the valley of Bill Waterman and get helicoptered to the top
3: mm.
0: of the mountain. You climb. Right, right. Mm. You, you, you climb the second mountain, meaning you you scrap and search and pray and experiment and do and. Um, I'm going to stab myself with a machete, and then paying I will die. Enough attention to your life, you can find that thing that you were made for, yep. and that. When you find that thing you were made for, you are on the, You are clearly on the second mountain journey.
2: I think one thing that is important for us to remember when we talk about this is I think for me, the way I look at it, the, the key distinctive of the first mountain is that you are trying to define the mountain while you're climbing it. So you can say, I want to be the lawyer. I want to be the successful person. I want to have this, this, this. So I'm going to climb get, to get there. I don't know that you will necessarily see exactly what the mountain looks like that you're climbing of the second mountain. Maybe you disagree with me, dad, but I think, I think it's a, it's a mountain that you, you, you see the path that you were on, you know, you're climbing the mountain, but you don't know where the peak is going to be. It's, it's covered in mist and cloud. And Absolutely. you can look back and see where you you shall not pass. If you've ever climbed a mountain. It's that, that or any kind of giant hill you climb and you, you think, man, it's just, it's this slog. And then at some point you turn around and realize, wow, look how far I've come. And you can actually see the shape of, of what you've been climbing. Um, hmm. But yeah, so that's how I kind of think of it. It's like you can't define the second mountain while you're climbing it. You can't say, Oh, I see. I'm going to be mother Teresa too. You know, it's like, <laughs> you don't know you, all you yeah. know is God is calling me to love this person right now. And so I'm going to do it. God's given me this gift. So I'm going to use it. God, you know, hmm. it's this, it's a, a transforming experience as you climb. And it's also um
0: it's this this I was I was talking with somebody the other day. I was actually doing this process with a person the other day and what she kept returning to again and again was her her struggles, her unresourceful aspects of her life. And when you climb the second mountain you have to stop looking behind at how bad it was or your struggles or your weaknesses you need to look forward to the possibilities of even in your brokenness how god can use you so there is a it's a reorienting towards the possibilities wow and a and disorienting from the from the off the things that that have held you back mm. you need to be released from that to move forward and when we do that and we see the possibilities that's when change happens and and that's when the the fog starts to lift. Hmm. Got to stop avoiding who you used to be and start uh, becoming who you amen. are. Amen. Stop avoiding who you used to be and start becoming who God designed you to be.
2: Hmm.
1: Why do you think, Dave, in your experience with uh, these younger guys and um, <clears throat> throughout the over, across the country that you've done kind of this this teaching or speaking to? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think? Cause you said you've done this with professional athletes. You've done it with very successful first mountain, successful people. Mm-hmm. Why do you think second mountain is so appealing to them for, because the American dream isn't the American dream because nobody wants it. It seems like everybody, you know, oh. it, it, it's the American dream for a reason. So people that have attained the American dream, why do you think second mountain is still appealing to them?
0: Well, Uh, I'd love to hear what you all think about that before I answer it. Why don't you guys, why do you think that's, why do you guys think that's true?
3: Immediately? What comes to mind is that existential crisis of, is this all there is? And I know that even as, you know, a full-time church worker, you know, trying to do the, the service and the good things serving God as my full-time job. And I know it's every Christian's full-time job, but I'm saying, even with what I do, after losing my mom, I've had those moments of man, it is so sunny and the sky is so bright, but I can't enjoy any of it. Like will there ever be another beautiful day again? Will I, you know, and maybe that's part of grief, but I've I've felt the the sting of dismay. And I don't know if you'd call it bewilderment, maybe, maybe, maybe grief is part of bewilderment. You said tragedy, you know, can yeah. be part of your fall off that first mountain. But it's just this like, it's just this empty hole, like you're looking into a void. And you have to ask yourself if, if this is as good as it's going to get, you know, or I had a moment last night. My sister left my driveway and went back to South Bend and just realizing that she'll be much further away and out of reach felt like another loss. Like this is just one more loss. And is is life just a series of gut-wrenching losses? <laughs> I just, I had a moment and it was raining and it didn't feel better. And I just sat on my porch and cried. Um, so <laughs> I, I think... Things can be great. You can achieve a measure of success, but there will still be moments, even if it's just your sister driving out of your driveway, there will still be moments where you question what life is about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I I said in a sermon, I don't know when this was, a few weeks ago, uh, months months ago, uh, I know exactly how much money you need to be perfectly happy. The answer is more. You always need more. There's never a point at which you are you are satisfied if seeking money, and the same thing I think is true of power, of status, of sex. Of I mean, it's like when are you going to be? When is it going to be enough? And it never is because that's the whole point. With the first mountain, the first mountain doesn't have a peak. You just climb until you fall. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> I, I think, I think what what Dad, I would imagine what you're encountering is when you start to offer people young men or women, if you start to offer them a different perspective of what their life could mean, other than the, just the relentless pursuit of more, Mm -hmm. there's something attractive about that, that I think inevitably beckons people to consider that there might be another way. And so that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I look at it that some people find out because they, they fall off the mountain and some people awaken to the realization that this mountain doesn't have an ending. Like I'm just going to keep
0: climbing. And so both, I agree with both both of you. And Tyler, do you want to add anything to it?
1: No, I asked the question because I, I don't have an answer. Yeah. I imagine it's because we, we can't put our finger on it. I mean, we yeah. there's something that we can't put our finger on. And then putting language like yeah. Second Mountain makes it make sense. But so yeah, how, I'm interested in your thoughts.
0: So how about this? What if, and this is maybe this is going to get a little too poetic, but here's how I imagine it. What if before we were born, we were in the mind of God? I love the image that, you know, God is there. God was there with us when we were just an idea in his mind before our parents met. He knew who we're going to, I mean, because he is outside of time, he sees us. As we're dying, he sees us as we're born. At any anyway, rate, so God is that intimately aware of who we are. And imagine way back then when we were just an idea, he whispered in our ear what our second mountain was, hmm. and it became in it in because this is what I imagine happened. This is the prepared in advance for us to do. He whispered in my ear, "This is who you're going to be." This is who I'm calling you to be. This is a, and imagine this, the words, this is my summons on you. And, mm-hmm. then, and yeah. then, and we're born. And then what enters into our life is the influence of our parents and the influence of our culture. And yet every now and then we hear the whisper. And then I start climbing the mountain and I'm trying to define myself based on who people think I should be, who I think I should be, what the world says I should be. And I'm going to get American dream. I still hear the whisper. I hear the whisper. I hear the whisper. Uh, And it's been implanted in me. It's like an itch I can't scratch. And then, bam, because of failure or or pain, I'm in the valley of bewilderment, and I still hear the whisper. And that is why a person – this is why when I'm sitting down with the professional athletes in my office and I look them in the eye and this subject comes up, they burst into tears. These huge men burst into tears because the whisper – is still there and and no one has allowed them. I mean, they've done, they've done been very successful. It just feels, it feels like they have never really responded to the whisper. When I tell them they can and, and here's what could happen if you respond to the whisper, it's like new life. Hmm. So that's, it's mystical, but I think that's why people, that's, that's what makes them unsatisfied on the first mountain is because they haven't scratched the itch yet.
3: Hmm. Do you help them recognize the voice of the whisper or do you help them recognize what the whisper is? Um
0: y- yes, I re- when when I point out that the whisper is coming from mm-hmm. the only one who really has the authority to whisper uh, a destiny into their And and it's only the God of the universe that can whisper a destiny into your life. Yeah. Um, But then I think it's like God, God lays out for us crumbs Mm. towards the second mountain. Hmm. And, and what I do and what I'm going to be doing, hopefully for years to come is actually, I'm going to get emotional thinking about this, identifying the crumbs of their life. Yeah. So here it is. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Let's pull Mm. it together. Do you see? Now does the whisper loud? Yes. The whisper is louder. Now it's starting to sound like a voice.
3: Yeah. Hmm. That's the most beautiful thing, Dave. I I know so many people that if they heard what you just said about a whisper, they'd say, well, if I could just hear it, I would do whatever it says. And they get frustrated Mm -hmm. that, They aren't hearing the whisper where some of us, myself included, can actually point back to, you know, life altering single events that shaped us into who we are and where we received that summons and hold fast to it for forever. Others wish they had an experience like that and can't point to one. But what you're offering is for everyone Mm -hmm. and for those who are upset that they feel they can't hear that voice or that whisper, you show them it's been there all along. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And the, and the crumbs are, be, have been laid since you can, I can show you every crumb. I can, not every, but I can show you the crumbs Yeah, in your life. Now look, and now it's not a whisper. Now it's a voice.
3: Yeah.
1: <sighs> Dave, one of the things you said in your sermon is that you feel like, or you know that your destiny is to help other people discover theirs, right? Yeah. Something, Mm -hmm. something to that degree. Yeah. Um, When did you realize that about yourself?
0: So here's, here's my journey in short. Um, I had a, I had a really rough call on my life. When I say rough, I mean, it was, it was, it was really aggressive and in my face, a guy saying, you need to be a pastor. So if you were to ask me when I was 20, two years old, what is the call? What is your destiny? I would say it's to be a pastor. That's yeah. really general. So I go to Bible school. I graduate. Penny and I, we moved to Massachusetts. i become a pastor. The longer I was there, you know, with almost every passing week and month, I was like, yeah, this pastor, yes. But I started investing in young leaders and I would I'll probably reference this this weekend, two in the morning, three in the morning, sitting with these young leaders, processing life and helping them, helping them figure out what it means to be, (coughs) excuse me, them in the world. And I realized, no, my calling is not to be a pastor. My calling is to do leadership development. And Hmm. so it morphed. Now, what I would tell people is I get to do leadership development by pastoring. I get, I get to leverage sermons And coffees with people and conversations. But if you to ask me until about 10, 15 years ago, what is your calling? I would say I do leadership development by being a pastor. But Mm -hmm. then I can't even I don't even know how I got into this whole. I think it all started one day when David Bell, who was on staff at that time, called me in to speak to the interns, our interns, and they said they want to know about calling what is calling? And I walked in, I hadn't prepared, I hadn't thought about it. And I looked at them in the face and I said, well, it's like a quilt. And I drew this quilt looking Mm -hmm. thing on a blackboard and that launched me into, I went, oh my gosh, that actually makes sense. Over the next 10 years, my calling morphed from leadership development to destiny discovery and calling discovery. And so I am the example of wide calling, narrowing calling, specific destiny. That's my, that's my whole story. That's how I got to where I am. And until now, until Sunday, I've been able to do the destiny thing by being a pastor, by being a pastor. Now I'm going to do it in a different setting.
2: Mm.
1: It's fascinating because I feel like most people would be like, and you even said kind of yourself, uh, my calling to be a pastor. I'm good. I figured it out, yeah. but you, you know, you're, you, you see the, the big idea here is choose life and it's essentially choosing life is choosing to pursue that, which God made you for. Right. And through doing that throughout the last 40 years, you've discovered, you know, that that's a, that's a vehicle to my actual calling, but you didn't know that when you were 30. No.
0: No. I I mean, if you'd have told me when I was 25 years old, you really, what you're going to do is help people discover their destiny. I'd go, what? Yeah. There was no, there was no way, but what was happening and you know how I use the phrase, pay attention Mm -hmm. all the time.
1: Well, no, I never heard. I never.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing people. But but the bottom line, the bottom line is you have to pay attention to hear a whisper.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
0: You have to pay attention to hear a whisper. Let's do this. You don't pay attention. You're not going to hear the whisper and you're going to be, mucking around in the valley of bewilderment but you pay attention you hear the whisper and the further you go the louder the voice gets and it becomes clearer and you keep moving ahead and the destiny is actually it'll happen to you the more you pay attention and all i'm trying to do is help people pay yeah. attention that's all
1: hmm. Hmm. well I'm trying to uh, drag this pot on as long as I can because I don't want I don't want this to, I don't want this one to end, man. Um, what do you have next for us, Dave? What can you give us a little taste of what's to come this weekend?
0: Actually, no. I, no, ooh, I, no. I, I, actually do, I actually don't. I actually don't want. That's to. fine. Of That's the fine. three of the three weeks, this will be the most emotional. Okay. Um, and not just because it's the last; it's because of what I have saved hmm. to say at the end. And, yeah, and I will, hmm. I will again reference something uh, Moses said, but I would like to just keep it, keep it here at, uh, at this right. point. And, and you'll I'm, have to come. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am, yeah. Have to watch hmm. online.
1: Yeah, you have to come to GraceChurch.us. Watch the sermon. Um, because that is, that is quite the cliffhanger. (laughs) Um, and so right after that, Barry, we're moving into the second half of how are you feeling? Like how, you know, we're moving to the second half of, uh, the next chapter and how are you feeling? You know, as we head into this weekend and your dad giving his last message and stuff like that, how are you doing?
2: I don't know. It's all very surreal. It's weird that it's not it doesn't feel like it has the the gravity that it might have if it was going to be some big special yeah. gathering weekend with everybody. And, pre, you know, the fact that we're just going to do another online service just makes it feel like it's not as big of a deal. But whenever I really stop to think about it, um, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I've spent a seventh of my life preparing for this moment. Mm. Like I, the last five plus five to six years, this has been my entire life. And so... Um, to know that this is actually happening is kind of wild. I'm yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Um, and yeah. then yeah, the next few weekends, I'm just I just get to talk about things that I'm really fired up about for the future of Grace. And I don't know. I mean, it's it'll be cool. It'll be fun. But mm. I don't know what to think as far as the actual transition happening. It's still hard to even wrap my mind around.
1: Dave, uh, for friends of the pod who have spent the last two and a half years listening to you come on this show, how can we pray for you? Like, how can we, as you move ahead in the next six months or the next few weeks, like what are you, what are you hoping are the whispers you're hearing from God in in the coming days and weeks ahead that we can pray for you for?
0: Yeah. Well, you can, I mean, give me a taste of my own medicine and just pray that I pay attention. Mm. Um, and, and now I've had to cock my head to one side because I had an idea in mind how to launch this next phase of my life uh before the pandemic hit. Mm. Now what does it mean? Um and so I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, like I said, cock my head to one eye one side and listen more carefully to see what he's saying now. Mm. What what do, yeah. you, what do you have in mind? So just pray that it's I listen carefully. Bear, I talked to Barry and Liv last night and they were they're extremely helpful and it's so exciting the pot the possibilities, but um yeah, I just need to listen well. I I don't. Mm. It's like a. It, yeah, I'm at the I'm at the top of the mountain in some ways, but the fog has just settled in. Mm. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want to fall into another valley of bewilderment right now.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah,
1: uh,
0: I want to press forward. So I'm a little bit like sticking my foot out a little bit, and testing the ground in front of me. It makes sense. Well, thank you for the prayers. Yeah. Thank you. Can I say this? Can I say it to the three of you? Thank you for this. This podcast is a wonderful expression of the kingdom of God through grace church. And you guys are Hmm. incredible. Um, Those are, if you're listening to the pod guys, you need to go get your friends and neighbors and tune them into this. It's a wonderful expression. And I'm going to, I will listen. I won't be a part of it, but I will listen. And especially because Penny, Penny is like number one fan of the pod. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it is not unusual for us to be traveling in the car and for us to listen together. I'll get emotional thinking about this. And for her to just, she laughs out loud at everything, you guys. (laughs) It's just, it's a wonderful thing. I will, I will miss you all. and Likewise. But I won't miss the podcast. I'll listen to it. <laughs> I'm not going to, um, but I'll miss you.
1: Yeah. So Dave, the, just so you know, like when you're off staff and you have a complaint about the podcast, send your complaint to Marin G. Great. <laughs> you know, I think Grace. I'll remember your email address. About <laughs> yeah. Well just, that's where we filter all the complaints yeah. Is yeah. that way. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Um, you, you've been, this show's biggest cheerleader. I mean, your encouragement throughout the past couple of years has been, has been some of the wind that has kept me sailing with this. Cause you know, sometimes you get, I start doubting whether that we should continue, you know, it's almost three years we've been doing this. Like what, how much longer should we go? And every time I start to feel that way, you have a comment for me. Like we were listening in the show and the car ride and Penny said this, or, um, I I still love what the podcast is doing. I talked to some folks who still listen to it and love, you know, and so you, your, your engagement and your participation has been super windy for my sales. And so I really appreciate, Mm -hmm. um, your encouragement over the over the years through that but, but i will your partic- your participation in this has been huge good
0: well i'm i'll i am now uh will rival her for the pod's biggest fan so
1: <laughs> yeah all right uh all right on that note Marin, can you give dave one last uh close with the uh Send us, sending us out
3: Now, when you say it like that no we'll do it for do Dave this. Dave <laughs> is coming back and of course Dave we love you and thank you so much for everything you've meant not just to this church but to us and to me thank you do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God
1: and we'll see you on the other side of Sunday
0: I'm not dead